When you've been watching NBA games recently, you may have noticed guys on the sideline or maybe if you see guys uh, at a practice when they're talking to the media using this device uh, on their legs or other parts on their body. And you may have thought, what is that thing? What, what do they have that I don't have? Well, this device is what a lot of NBA players and other pro athletes and, and people who aren't athletes, uh, it's called the Theragun. And it's basically a power system that is going to make your muscles and your aches and pains feel better. Uh, NBA players use it as part of recovery, uh, as part of getting rid of sore aches and muscles. It's kind of almost like a hot tub in your hand because the way it's able to uh, relieve stress. And so that's what you can use it for. You can use it to relieve the strain of a long car ride. Uh, to get rid of general tension and overall stress. Uh, it can help you wind down so that you can sleep better. If you've got an injury to your thigh or your calf or your hip, you can use it before you go to bed and it's going to help you feel better. You can use it a couple minutes on all parts of your body. And um, it's something that's becoming more and more popular amongst pro athletes and people who just uh, want to feel a little bit better and get back to your life. Uh, and you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or get your money back by going to theragun.com slash hoop. For a limited time, our listeners can get a free charging stand with the purchase, which is worth $79. That's theragun, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com slash hoop, theragun.com slash hoop. And as always, we support the work of Zach Lowe, and so if you want to hear some great conversation from one of the best minds in the sport, definitely check out the Low Post podcast. Or if you're a fan of the women's game, I suggest you check out Wednesday's episode of the ESPN Daily about Oregon star and projected number one pick, Sabrina Ionescu, her rise, her relationship with Kobe Bryant, and so much more. The Low Post and the ESPN Daily. Also, Zach um, did an interview with the guy that came up with the Elam ending, which is what everybody was raving about, about the All-Star game. So uh, you can listen to the pod he came out with earlier this week for that. Uh, anyway, Low Post and ESPN Daily. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. You can leave a review and uh, leave a comment. And, of course, you can do that for the Hoop Collective as well to let us know how we're doing. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA in Massachusetts after we spent the weekend in Chicago is Jackie McMullen. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? I am good, Brian. It was fun to see you at All Star. You were a very busy man. Very busy. Very impressive. Um, yes. Uh, it, it, I just looked busy. Um, okay. And joining us from <laughs> Dallas is Tim Band McMahon, who was banned from All-Star, but hopefully having a good All-Star. I banned myself from All-Star. Uh, that's not what I heard. I heard a warrant warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> well, that also, that may be true as well, but... That's what this I heard. This is a special episode, too, because Andrew Hahn is not in Los Angeles. He's actually in Bristol, sitting with Troy, oh, wow. our producer running the board so andrew is wow. you know he's andrew how did this happen very close watch on this here come the technical difficulties i uh i don't want to talk about it yeah um that's where i'd want to be is connected andrew got called to the principal's office <laughs> hey no wonder for one thing brian took us to dinner at this amazing i mean brian andrew at this amazing restaurant alinea for those of you who are foodies it's the most incredible experience of my culinary life, Andrew Hahn. I've decided. Edible balloons. Just saying. Just think about that for a minute. Well, that everybody. sounds tasty. They, they were, actually. They were very sugary. Usually right. when there's edible balloons, you're trying to sneak something through, something through the airport. <laughs> right. No such luck. Oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, we have an interesting um, day in the NBA today because John. by the time this podcast is posted, I'm sure it'll be official that John Beeline is... Um, has about as short-lived of, his, of an NBA coaching career as you can possibly have. Um, Since Tar. Uh, I was going to say Randy Ayers. Wasn't his, like, very short, too? Yeah, but Randy Ayers has been an assistant, was an assistant in the for, league right. and, and he, for decades now. Yeah. How yeah, long great, was Tark? Great guy. Great man, Randy Ayers, by the way. Oh, How long did Tark yeah. make it? Hold on. Let me do a little He is a good research. guy, Randy Ayers. 20-something games, Tark. 20-something games, I thought Tark was. was that, so was that all it was? Wow. I don't know. I, I might be um, wrong, but it was really brief. And you know, well, you realize that Pop, you do realize that when he got that job, an assistant named Greg Popovich was crushed. 
because he thought he might get it. You do remember It that, was 20 games on the nose. Tark went Look at 9 that. and 11. Look at that. Well, here's so a bit he, more he history. more than doubled Tark. Here's a bit more history. It's the first time in 16 years that a team has had coaching changes in the middle of, of the seasons uh, in consecutive uh, years. Um, mm, and even second. those, uh, I'll tell you who they are in a minute, <clears throat> but even those involved three guys where they replaced a coach midway through the season with a, with a permanent coach and he was let go the next year. So it was Doc Rivers getting fired. Remember the, uh, when he got fired from Orlando, they had a long losing streak. He got fired. They brought in Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis coached until midway through the next season. And, uh, Chris Gent actually took over as a, uh, as an interim coach. Um, and then the New York Knicks fired Don Chaney. This was my first year covering the NBA. This is how long ago this was. Um, fired Don Chaney midseason, hired Lenny Wilkins. Lenny coached about a calendar year, and he got fired or left or whatever, and uh, Herb Williams took over as interim. The wow. Cavs, this is going to be the fourth man in charge. Um, those were the three men, like I said. So the Cavs started last year with Ty Lue, fired him in November, uh, replaced him with Larry Drew. And as you remember, Larry Drew didn't even want to be the interim coach. Right. Um, was coming out and giving interviews, um, saying, I don't they really want this job. They better pay me more money. Uh, he was fired at the end of the season, and um, they hired John Beeline, and uh, now J.B. Bickerstaff is named coach. So if, if you're Colin Sexton, who is the foundational piece that they felt uh, was the, to start the post-LeBron rebuild, the the essentially the piece that they traded Kyrie Irving for, um, you have played to your All-Star game of your second year, and starting today, we'll have your, be looking at your fourth different head coach. Um Jackie, I don't think that's a way to run a franchise. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. And it's it's interesting. You know, we've heard, we all know what's gone on with Beeline. We know about the fact that he had trouble adjusting to the pro game, which, of course, has happened. He's, he's neither the first nor the last college coach that has had trouble making that adjustment. We know about his comments. He said in, in the team meeting that he had to walk back. We know about the collegey. That was a word one of his players used to me. It's too collegey. They said, said that to me about a month and a half ago. Um, but here's the thing that blows me away that I don't understand that I was surprised to learn here in the last 48 hours. One of the big issues that the players had with John Beeline was how disorganized he was. I find that surprising, don't you? I mean, I, listen, John Beeline is a, is a very fine college basketball coach. And this aside, whatever happened here in Cleveland, nothing changes that. And so we have to be clear on that. But he was clearly ill-suited for this job and knew off the top very quickly that he was ill-suited. And, and I, it reminds me, you know, I remember when Dave Gavitt was running the Boston Celtics. And we all thought that was going to be the greatest hire in the history of the world because he was such a great basketball guy. You know, understood the game. A legendary guy, a Hall of Famer. But he could never get over the idea of trading a player for a salary cap space. He just couldn't wrap his mind around it. And I think that was because his background was all college. And so there are some guys that you need to prepare for it. And I remember Brad Stevens talking about how long he prepared once he took the job, how much he prepared to make this shift because it is different. The timeouts are different. The cadence are different. Also, Brad would be the first to tell you that, I mean, I've talked to Brad about this. His first year, he made a lot of mistakes. Tons. Um, In fact, Gerald Wallace... Gerald Wallace pulled him aside one day and said, Coach, let me help you with some of these things, literally. So, and I think the difference was that Brad Stevens, based, I mean, he's, I don't think anyone would ever called him disorganized. He, as much as could possibly happen in that first year, he did command some respect or from his players so that they were at least willing to wait it out with him. That never happened with John Beeline. Just never happened. He, you know, this is a coach that was thinking about practicing on Christmas Day. <laughs> no, really, that's a lack of understanding of how the NBA works. It just is. Uh, the length of the season, the importance of getting your players' head in the right space. You know, they weren't playing on Christmas Day, and he was going to consider, he was considering practicing on Christmas Day. And of course, that didn't happen because somebody, you know, very quickly squashed that. So. Well, the thing about that Celtics team also was they were, you know, where they were as a franchise was was clear. In yes. Cleveland, there's guys on that team that have, you know, there are different places in their career 
Kevin Love being 1A. And, you know, McMahon, I just don't think... Tristan Thompson 1B. Yeah, I, I just don't think Kevin Love was was ever on on the on the same page. Oh, as you Myers. think? I mean, geez, what 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 gives you that uh, indication? Well, I, I don't know what's more. Kevin Love came came into training camp about fifteen minutes before it started. Like you know, with everybody else in there for a month, Kevin Love came in right at the very end. There was no uh, Kevin Love did everything was, but take out a, but but run a billboard saying Beeline sucks. I mean, it, it, there was zero percent chance of Beeline, and it wasn't going to work regardless. But with Kevin Love around, that was going to be a complete disaster because he was going to make it clear how much he thought this coach was over to his head, and he was going to be right, and that's a problem. Um, but I don't know what's more depressing that Colin Sexton's about to have his fourth NBA head coach, or that he's their foundational piece. Right. That's the thing, Jackie. I guess I give Beeline a modicum. Well, I wouldn't say a modicum. I respect Beeline by saying this is a bad deal. Let's get out of it. Uh, right. Because he could have made it to the end of the year. Like, you know, I don't think the Cavs would have, they would have fired him at the end of the year. I don't think they would have yeah. fired him during the year. So I, I, you know, and in a way, I sort of tip my cap to say you knew it wasn't working and you got out of it. No, that's but, it. I mean, I, I, you know, look, we can bash a Beeline all day long. Clearly, this was an unmitigated disaster. But this will be a separate and small part of his overall legacy, as it was with other NBA coaches, that uh, uh, college coaches that flirted with the NBA game. I don't think anybody's um, holding John Calipari to his brief time with, I believe they were still the New Jersey Nets when he was coaching there. And you know what? Cal probably has learned a lot more. And if you brought him back to the NBA, I bet he'd mm-hmm. fare much better. Don't do that. Well, Don't bring I'm just back. saying. Um, no, I'm just I would just say you. that since, you know, I don't want to relitigate the Kyrie Irving trade, and I understand that my role is not to actually make the trades. My role is to, to report, analyze, and critique them. It's a much easier position to be in. I recognize that fully. But I didn't understand that trade. Uh, I didn't understand the Kevin Love extension. I didn't oh, understand no the John Beeline no hire. And frankly, I didn't understand the Andre Drummond trade. So I'll give I'll give them a little bit more of a pass on drafting Darius Garland um, when they already had a guard and they you know have crowded their backcourt. Um, and Darius Garland's coming off a knee injury, so the fact that he has not been that impressive as a rookie, I'm going to let that go. But I on my on my shelf, I have I don't understand that either. But I'll just leave it on the shelf for right now. Um, so the best thing you can say about the Kyrie trade, or I guess the, the most favorable thing for the Cavs is that they thought that pick would be a lot higher. They think that's going to be a top five pick. They think instead of Colin Sexton, they're getting Luka Doncic or Trey Young or, or Jaron Jackson or something like that. Now, maybe they go full Kings and draft Marvin Bagley, but whatever, um, you know, they thought that was going to be a lot higher than the eighth pick, but still. Right. Well, but that again, but, and, I, and this is the last thing I want to say about it. When you have LeBron James on your team, you shouldn't be trading players for picks. And I understand that Dan Gilbert's position was, well, he wasn't committing to me, and so I can't let my team fall into disarray. Guess what? Your team's in <laughs> it's disarray. In disarray. Would you time. like to have had a player that may have given you a better chance to win the title that year? Um, that's, that's that. Um, it was not a, Jackie, it was not a great weekend for the Chicago Bulls. Oh, you say? You um, think? Uh, you know, they had almost no representation at their own All-Star game. Uh, Zach Levine did the uh, three-point contest. Uh, he was upset that he wasn't an All-Star, but, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, even though this weekend was, that just passed was a lot about Kobe for sure, and the game itself was tremendous. Um a lot of stuff came out about the Bulls. They became a bit of a of a of a target uh, amongst their fans. Um, and maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience, uh, you know, because I know that you felt it from the fans when you were there. Yeah, absolutely. So I did actually uh, had a really fun day. Was it Saturday? It's all blending together. I guess it was Saturday. I did the Woj Pod with Adrian and Ryan Rosillo and Patrick Beverly. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, three great MVA voices, as you can imagine. And we, we were in uh, the Lincoln Hall, which is a theater right in Chicago. And uh, 
lot of, you know, we, we were talking mostly about the Clippers. Patrick Beverly dropped a few woge bombs of his own, Bev bombs, I guess we'll call them now, you know, telling us all that when he wanted to play uh, in Chicago, which, of course, you know, he's from there, really wanted to play there, that Vinny Del Negro told him he couldn't play defense. That was one of the bombs. Perfect. And the other one was, if you have a, a second, just check out his criticism of Carl Anthony Towns. It was quite withering. So Pat, Pat Bev was definitely the star of that pod. But there was a lot of uh, Bull, tons of Bulls fans there. And before and after, you know, we did some meet and greet. They were all like talking about fire Gar packs. Now, for those who don't know, it's Gar, you know, it's the two guys, the, the two headed GM uh, front office of the Bulls. There's actually a website that's called fire Gar packs. And you guys, I don't know if you know this, but a couple of weeks before the All Star game, there was a fan that wore an 86. 86, of course, means fire, done, 86, for those of you who don't know. 86 Gar Pax jersey. They threw him out of the United Center for wearing that's the jersey. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, he's but that's the, it. that's the tenor. Yeah, he's, he's banned McMahon. So that's the tenor that you're dealing with. And, you know, the question that these Chicago Bulls fans had is, if you look at the Bulls, I mean, it's been pretty dismal, but they do have some young pieces. They have Laurie Markinen, who's injured. They have Wendell Carter Jr., who's injured. I still think Chris Dunn has a place in the NBA. He's injured. Um, Kobe White, I think it's hard to tell, right? The jury's out. I think he's still going to be a very fine NBA player. But the question becomes, if you're the Bulls, you need that star or someone to take you to the next level. It, you know, I, Zach Levine is a great player. I like Zach Levine a lot. I think he's working very hard on his game. But he's not that superstar that, that you need to get you to the next level. And the big question becomes, what superstar would ever go to Chicago at this point. Well, they, I think the Bulls have admitted that they have to do it through the draft, um, that they've, they've taken some swings in uh, free agency right. and haven't been able to get done. I'll tell you the all-time, you know, we'll do a 30 for 30 and down the line. Um, right. In 2010, because, you know, and, and this is one of those things where people's stories have changed over the years. You get bits and pieces, but... There was a window there for LeBron and Wade to go to the Bulls. It was something that was on the table. Um, remember that. And, yeah, remember that. and it, it just it, – the, the, the footage that I want, Chris Bosh actually had a camera crew that was with him during that time. And that footage has never been seen uh, by the Ooh. outside world. Um, uh, I would love have to you see that footage. Have you seen it? Oh, you haven't seen it. Okay. No, I would love to. Sometimes, because no, you're the inside world. You know, you're an insider. Well, so the, you the other it. guy that I would love to have gotten the real story from was the late great Henry Thomas, who was right. uh, Dwayne and, and Chris Bosh's agent. Uh, yeah, just a very high caliber man who who passed away a couple years ago. Um, yeah. But you know, Derek Rose didn't favor it. Uh, for various reasons, and uh, didn't really recruit it. And look, he was on the verge of winning his first MVP. I mean, I, I, I I'm not, I'm not looking at him and saying that was a mistake. Uh, and they won 60 games the next year. Um, they had a, had a, a pretty good looking team. I just, you talk about all time moments. You know, uh, if you remember, Dwayne Wade actually had a second meeting with the Bulls um, that mm -hmm. week, and I, I think it was Dwayne like. Um, you know, it's just it's just real hard to get the straight truth and people's memories fade and everything. But that second meeting was a huge moment in Bulls history. And, and whatever Dwayne wanted to have that meeting about, it, it didn't satisfy him. And he and Chris signed in Miami. The rest is history. OK, so, um, you know, if you look at like, you know, why is the Grizzlies rebuild so much farther ahead of the Bulls? Well, the Grizzlies, have you know, have had the number two and number four picks in back to back years and they yeah. have foundational pieces. The Bulls have never had um, lottery luck. Uh, I'm sorry, they have. So, I mean, Derek Rose they got the number one pick, but they haven't right, in this rebuild. And they've, they've, you know, they've been getting Laurie Markkinen, and uh, which they a pick they traded for, and they've been getting Wendell Carter, quality players, but not John Morant. So um, the other thing is, uh, and by the way, Jackie, on my, when I landed in Chicago on Thursday, as I was driving in from the airport, one of the first things I saw was a billboard saying "Fire Gar Packs." Yeah, and, no, no, yeah. <laughs> In two real. things that hurt, two things that hurt them, uh, just from a marketing slash branding standpoint, is that the opposition has a target: Gar Pax, Gar Foreman, and John yeah. Paxson. Like they, it's like right. a it's like a nicely branded um, uh, thing that they can actually get behind. And uh, branding is important in any movement. Um, and the other thing um, is that for the first time, 
It's, this is what I've, been, what I've been told, and you know, I don't have insight to their uh, accounting. But for the first time, uh, I think their business is truly suffering. One of the things about Chicago is that you know, even when Jordan left, and even during the rebuilds of the last decade, um, the fan support was tremendous. Every ticket was sold. They were they got the biggest building in the league, and it was always sold out. And it was just a very robust market. The Bulls are one of the most profitable teams have been. Uh, they haven't operated like it. They operate kind of like a mid-major team, a uh, mid-market team, I should say. Um, but they've always been extraordinarily profitable. Uh, the money pours in. From what I understand, they're feeling it from a business standpoint for the first time. Their fans are are staying away a little bit, and that has raised alarm. So, McMahon, I, the expectation is that there's going to be changes. And what happened was reports got out both from Woj and uh, several outlets in Chicago that Michael Reinsdorf, who was the uh, day-to-day operational leader of the franchise, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf still is the controlling owner, but uh, his son Michael was actually meeting with front office candidates and agents over the weekend, um, and that got out, and that wasn't a good look. No, but, I mean, they're they're overdue for this. I mean, this has been... Honestly, it feels like it's been forever. I, I, I looked it up. I was surprised it only been a few years since they've been in the playoffs. But it's just a—it's a franchise that is—it's a like you said, it's a major market franchise that's operating like a like a mid market franchise, and they're, it's like they're not fun to watch. There's—it's not like hey, there's this young group that boy, wait until they grow up. I don't know. It, it feels like. If if things click for Mark and then it's going to be somewhere else, uh, you know Levine. I mean, he's a guy who puts up nice numbers. Well, Mark is up for it, an extension this fall. What do you? Are you giving him a giant I, extension if you're them? No, you do that? because he had uh, not giving him a giant extension because he hadn't proven he can stay healthy first and foremost. Um, I don't know. And uh, here's it, the thing, it's though. Just, you, you, you threw a max contract, didn't you, at Otto Porter Jr. Right? No, that contract's yeah, up great job on that. Well, they traded for it, but yes, they traded for yeah. him on a max. Right. Yeah. He's also so been that, hurt too that, much of the year. Yeah, he has barely played. So he's up in 2021. When I watched them play, guys, and I've, I, I just so happened to have seen them because I was in Philadelphia while they were there. They're playing, you know, a three-point, you know, shoot, get threes up, and, but with a team that doesn't have that skill set. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a disaster. I don't see. They're I, I guess my I mean, question they're actually is, not a. They're a pretty good defensive team. There's awful offense. No, they are. Well, they and they have a million injuries right now. They do. We just named all the yeah. players. Their best, their top five or six players aren't playing. But 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 what's the future, right? That that for, right. forget that for a minute. Just what is the plan? Because they don't have caps. They don't have max cap space or anything. Well, so, I don't I mean, think they have cap to wait space to get a way for them to go. Um, but anyway, no, but, uh, but, the expectation in the league is that there will there will definitely be a change to the front office. Gar Foreman. While he is still the front leader in the Garpax movement, Gar Foreman has had his role reduced over the last couple of seasons. That's not right. a secret. Um, uh, and he, from what I understand, you know, he's not really that active in their front office at this point. So he's kind of already been uh, transitioned a little bit. But I expect them to hire a new voice, whether that voice will be uh, in replacement of uh, of John Paxson or alongside him. That's I'm sure what they're trying to figure out. But they're they're going to get their head. The fans are going to get their head because Garpax is going to be broken up. Man, I've been all over the place lately. I was in L.A. I went to Chicago. I came home for 24 hours back out here to L.A. to do this podcast. I was up this morning in the 4 o'clock hour to get ready because uh, we had to do this podcast early with Andrew Hahn out on the East Coast. Can't believe he affected my schedule like that, which is one of the reasons why... You definitely need energy early in the day, and 5-Hour Energy can help you stay alert and energized wherever you're headed. Um, it helps you through your crazy on-the-go life, and of course, it's got zero sugar, has just four calories and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for a busy, hardworking person. And now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious, and they can take you on that tropical on-the-go experience. 
I wish I was on the tropical experience right now. Half the people on my plane were going to Hawaii yesterday. Uh, all I have left is uh, I can't go to Hawaii right now. It's middle of the season, but uh, you can take a five-hour energy. Anyway, you can try them both. You can, then you can go online to shop the number five hour energy dot com and use the code hoop to receive a one-time offer of 10% off. That's shop five hour energy dot com and use the code hoop to receive a one-time offer of 10% off five hour energy energy on the go. One place where it's going the exact opposite uh, and the team that came in with um, a lot of smiles uh, into all-star weekend were the Boston Celtics, Jackie, who right before the break um, had just a super impressive win over the Clippers. It was really a highly spirited, contested game. Yeah. Jason Tatum, uh, I have not seen Jason Tatum play all the games of his career, but people who I believe in and trust said that it was maybe the best game he's ever played. Um, not maybe. I was, not maybe. Not maybe. Yeah. You can take maybe away because it was such a great two-way performance. That's why. Double overtime That's if I'm not – you know, victory. Yeah, and the way he got, you know, he guarded Kawhi, he uh, he shot the three. I mean, his numbers the last fifteen games or so are, are pretty unbelievable. He's shooting fifty cent, fifty percent from the floor, almost forty six percent from the three point line. You know, he's been among the, you know, up near at the top of steals leaders. All, you know, especially from his position all year, he's rebounding the ball. You know, he's now. So can he continue this? Is this the leap? Has he made it? And you, we've seen this with young players, right? They have big, long stretches, and then you know they may go back a little bit. But his year is, you know, he deserved to be an All Star, and 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 ever since they picked him, he's just been otherworldly, otherworldly. Well, I was one of the people that was super duper high on him <clears throat> um, uh, when he when as a rookie. Not that I was alone, and I uh, had to sort of defend that position last year. Now I feel glad that I held my stock uh, mm-hmm. because this is the this is the kind of transformation. Because in my mind, their their hope uh, post Kyrie, you know, their hope is that Jason Tatum becomes a superstar. That's what needs to happen. For I mean, I know right. that they've paid Walker and they've paid Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart's a super duper important piece. But for you to be a championship contender, you got to have somebody that can they can deal with Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he's not there yet. Uh, he's not, he's not, you know, on that level, but he's, he's showing traction in that direction again. Um, yeah, no question. Which is a huge no sign question. for Boston. Uh, McMahon, I mean, when you look at the Celtics, um, you know, the East is still, is still in my mind wide open. Uh, the Bucks are so impressive mm, boy, why, and they why, do, but so many why, people why think I don't see the East being wide open. I see a, a massive favorite. Uh. And, you know, maybe a few teams that have puncher's <laughs> chances. But, Here's what I'm going to say. Did you watch the fourth quarter of the All-Star game? Yes. I realized oh, so this because was... Giannis I realized, because, Giannis, because Giannis couldn't get buckets in the fourth quarter of that game, the Bucks aren't the big favorites. Well, I'm, well Giannis made three spectacular defensive plays. Um, but that, that what happened with Giannis at the end of that game is what other players say will be the challenge. With the Bucks, if the Bucks have a team beaten by the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter, I don't think you're beating them because they're too good defensively. They're world-class defensively. But if it's a tight game, teams believe, and and in three months you can mf all these statements. You can call all those people liars. You can you can raise the trophies over your head and say we told you so, whatever. But teams believe. Whether it's true or not, you get to five minutes in a game with the Bucks, and it's a tight game. They think they can win because they don't think that Giannis can get the basket when he absolutely has to have it. They That's what they Giannis believe. Giannis has the cojones factor. No, I don't. Think I don't know that. if it's the cojones factor or the skills. I, or the yeah, skills. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's what it is. He's still developing as a perimeter player. He drives to the basket. I, he, I believe he has more points in the paint. I don't have it in front of me than any player in the league. And as we know, late in the game. Defense is tightening up. It's harder to get into the paint. It's just common sense, really. It's just his skill set. By the way, Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker couldn't do anything in that setting either, and that's my, that's one of my big concerns about the Celtics, and why. Um, and I mean, it's not really fair to look at that. I mean, it was Hall of Famer on Hall of Famer out there. You're not going to see that, um, even though I was glued to every second of that run. Um, but uh, you know. Kemba Walker, in my view, is going to struggle in those types of moments that he struggled in the All Star game. He, 
he you know he had he had a handful of opportunities couldn't get it done. That's why you need Tatum because I think you need the size. Um, it's well, not just to way, create separation. Just, just create- to. Just to introduce a, a little factual evidence, it's a small sample size. I believe the Bucks have played the fewest clutch minutes in the league. Yes, they have, and it's by far only 39 clutch minutes. But they have the number two net rating in, in clutch situations this year. We have Plus the number one net rating all time. Possessions. They have the number one net rating all time right now. They are a spectacular team. But your point but, is, if you get them in a close game, they'll fall apart. And I'm just saying that uh, statistically, the exact no. opposite has happened this year. That's not what I said. I said that that players in the league who would have to go up against them believe if you get them in a close game in the last five minutes in a playoff game that they can be had. And that the Bucks. Well, I'm can, saying can that completely the Bucks are going to cruise through the down. East. Well, you well, very well could be right. You very well could be right. And it's you know it's not a two horse race either. I mean, but I think the reason the Celtics are on the pace they're on is because they just, I mean, they're one of the best pick and roll teams in the league. They uh, they defend. You know, you've got to be. I think it's almost a given now that if you want to win a championship or get to the finals, you've got to be around the top five both offensively and defensively. Do we agree with that? Somewhere in the you know, you certainly have to be a top ten defensive team. Right. You probably have to be a top. 10 defensive team, you have to be a top six offensive team, I think, you know, something like in there. Yeah. Right. And that's something, by the way, that under Brad Stevens, the Celtics have not been until this year. My biggest concern, I have a couple of concerns about the Celtics. We've talked about their size ad nauseum. Let's see what Robert Williams can do when he comes back. Um, And not that you're pointing it all on his shoulders. You're going to have a three-headed center in Tice, Cantor, and Robert Williams. Their skill sets are all completely different. And again, to me, everyone was talking about they need to get a big, they need to get a big, and I'm, I'm watching what Houston is doing, and the Celtics think a little more like Houston than they do the rest of the league. They believe at times when they won't go small, they can get away with Grant Williams playing defense in the post. We've seen Marcus Smart guard Kevin Love and Giannis and players like that. This is how they play. So defensively, I, I really believe they'll go small a lot. Their biggest problems are these. Be- the bench is a major issue. They, they don't get scoring off their bench. Brad Wanamaker has been very good. He's been serviceable. He's a nice catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter, but he might be the only one. They're not, good. They're not good that way. You worry about what they can get off the bench. But I will tell you this. I will caution you this. You haven't seen the best of the Celtics yet. Their best lineup, their death lineup, if you will, Hayward, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Walker, Marcus Smart, because I think that's their best lineup, even though it's small. I think they've only played 18 games together all year because somebody's been hurt. One of those five has been hurt in, in a very nice rotation, I might add. So I'm not sure we've even seen the best of Boston yet, but they have depth issues and they're not a, a, a superb three-point shooting team. And I've watched them enough to know one night they can win it, they can beat anybody and the next night they will look so bad because they will miss wide open threes, they will miss catch and shoot threes, and they'll look like one of the worst teams in the league. And that's going to be true all the way through the postseason. Well, they're one and three against Philadelphia. Now, that's the regular season. I think Embiid missed one of those games. Um, but they're one and three against Philadelphia. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, they have a terrific game this weekend with the, uh, with the Lakers in LA. So, um, yeah. that, that'll be, and everybody would have nice rest. Um, uh, I think the health should be pretty good for both teams in that, uh, spot. Um, so we'll see, uh, We'll have, a, we'll have a we'll have a good field when they play against some more size. I know they beat them in Boston uh, already, but um, that was a great game, though. Yeah, um, but certainly the Celtics are are uh, drawing some attention. And again, I, I just want to be clear. I look at the Bucks and see arguably the greatest regular season team by the numbers we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. Their numbers present uh, even better. Even better numbers than the uh, than the Warriors had when they won. The Warriors. All I'm just saying is I can report that as I talk to teams and executives out there, they don't believe that they're as invincible as the numbers show. I'm I'm open to say I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's reason enough to watch the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, It is, and don't forget Gordon Hayward because everyone's forgetting Gordon Hayward because Tatum and Brown have been so wonderful and taking that huge step forward. Gordon Hayward is still the best facilitator on their team. He's still the, the, the best guy to keep that ball moving. And he has been playing great, great the last month. And if Gordon Hayward is, I hate to do it, 
say he's back. I hate that. I don't even know what that means anymore because Gordon Hayward on the Utah Jazz can never be Gordon Hayward on the Boston Celtics because there's not enough balls to go around. But I'm telling you, he's been very, very important to why they've done so well. Well, and then I, I'm obligated to say, let's not forget about the Raptors who uh, went 15-1 and one, uh, to oh, the stretch before. Yeah, before yeah it's not a two-team race. It's not a two-team race. Right. Don't misunderstand what we're saying. It's not. So the Raptors are one of the teams. Uh, McMahon actually brought this up as we were getting ready here. Um, as we go into this last 25 games in the playoffs, the Raptors are one of these teams that is just sort of floating above expectations. Um, and, you know, it's just been such a fantastic season that it's already been a success no matter how uh, how you, you you qualify it. Now, when you talk to the Raptors, they don't necessarily They don't that feel way. that way. I was going to say, no. they don't feel that way. Um, in fact, I had an interesting um, discussion with Patrick Beverly. Um, we didn't actually include it in the podcast we put out earlier this week because uh, he had been with Woj as well. But I asked Beverly about um, the difference between comp- playing on a team that has no expectations that over that overachieves, which is what the Celtics, which is what the Clippers were last year. No one expected right. them to be any good, and they made the playoffs with the eighth seed. Versus this year, when the expectations were that they would be a sixty-win team and win the title, and they've had some struggles. Um, and Beverly gave me the classic Beverly look with those eyes, and was like, "You know, that's your expectations." Somebody else's was saying, "What you know?" He goes, "I go out and expect to play." And win every single night, and he's not just saying that as a cliche. If you know Patrick Beverly, he's being dead serious about it, which is one of the reasons as I was thinking as he was saying it. Sometimes I wonder what he thinks about guys on his roster load managing, but that's another conversation. So to get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in shape is with the Echelon. What you would do is you go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of Peloton. Echelon makes a beautifully engineered product. It's built for everyone, for moms and dads, first responders and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with those daily live and on demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in the gym. You're going to love Echelon. But if you aren't 100% satisfied, of course, They'll give you your money back. Join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash hoop to learn about their limited time offer, which includes a free iPad and complete details. Echelon, it's your time. E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash hoop. Echelonfit.com slash hoop. The Raptors and the other teams, uh, McMahon, that you thought were in this sort of overachievement position, who were sort of playing with house money, as you called it, were the Raptors, the Thunder, who are just having a majestic season, and the Grizzlies, who, <laughs> after they beat Portland uh, right before the All-Star break, uh, have a four-game lead on the last playoff seed, and uh, Damian Lillard is facing some time away with a groin injury. Grizzlies are sitting relatively pretty right now, too. You you think those three teams are, are in great position to just uh, let it ride. Yeah, those are the three teams, to me, that have most exceeded expectations. And, and you think about it, going into the season, who were the, the teams that you expected to be sellers? Or you were looking at as, ooh, you know, they, they might really have some some vets who can help other teams at the deadline. I think the, the Thunder, obviously, and the Raptors are probably at the top of that list. I mean, going into the Without season— question. It was where's Gallinari going to end up? Can they find a deal for Chris Paul? What about you know Schroeder, uh, Stephen Adams? Hey, will Kyle Lowry get traded? What about Mark Gasol? And then you know obviously the Raptors are rolling, uh, second place in the East. And then man, the Thunder, it, it's, they're not just going to be a, a pesky little playoff team. I mean they are, you know they're they're right in the thick of things, and you know they've been the best clutch team in the league. Um, and you know, Chris Paul. I mean, I couldn't believe the way he threw down that dunk in the All Star game. By the way, I'm going to start that was uh, that got one of the biggest reactions burgers. from the night from the from yeah, the players on the court. I'm thinking about going vegan after seeing that. My goodness, um, no, you're not. No, I'm yeah, not. come on, I don't man. Eat shenanigans, shenanigans, well, dude. Yeah, it's going to take a lot more than a diet change for me to be able to dunk again. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. 
Um, but you know, the, and Shea Gilgis Alexander has been unbelievable for them. I mean, the, they are tough. And then you like, I legitimately like if I'm right now, it would be Clippers Thunder in the first round. <laughs> I don't know that that's a series the Clippers would just cruise in. And how how big would the chip be on Chris Paul's shoulders going in? Uh, to LA to open up the first round, going to, to face the, his former franchise and Doc Rivers and all that. Um, and then the Grizzlies, the question with the Grizzlies going in was, will they give up that top six protected pick this year or will it, you know, will Boston yes. get it next year when it's unprotected? <laughs> right. And forget about all that, obviously. Now, you mentioned they've got that four-game lead, and, you know, what a great developmental opportunity it is for John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark and this really good young core to play games that matter throughout the entire season. Um, we're going to find out just how good they are, though, because they also have, according to uh, opponents' winning percentage, the toughest schedule in the league the rest of the way. Yeah, they do have two more games with the, uh, with the Blazers, and both are in Portland. So the Blazers do have those two opportunities to gain on them, and they can. Although we'll see can, how long they, Dame misses and where they are in the standings. Right, they can win both of those games. If they win both those games, they would also get the tiebreaker back. So it would almost be like winning right. three games. So, mm-hmm. uh, I did talk to Jaron Jackson at Over All Star Weekend, and um, he just described the excitement they have as a team to be in this position. How they're just invigorated and just you know the energy is flowing through them, and they're just so excited. Which is what I'd expect from guys who haven't been there. Uh, you know, I don't think that they even understand what's coming their way. And then they, they traded away, you know, one of the guys who is sort of, uh, a guy who has experience with it in, in Jay Crowder. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, but they're just. Yeah, I, I, I did not like, I did not, I liked everything they did over the summer. I did not like that trade at all. They must just think Justice Winslow is going to be phenomenal because, not only did they take back a ton of money, but mm. you know Crowder and Solomon Hill, those were, on a super young team, those were literally the two most veteran guys, two oldest guys in that locker room, and two, and two important leaders in that locker room. So I, I didn't like that trade at all. I, I did like it actually. I did like it because I, I I think leaders are fine, veterans are good, but sometimes I think we overvalue them, and I think in this case that's what they decided to do, not to do it. Not to do, not to overvalue it. So, well, how about I, giving up one and not taking back both terrible contracts from the Heat? I think everybody around the league would have preferred that because why? Why? I don't understand why the Grizzlies just give to the Heat all this flexibility. Well, um, I, I mean, I it'd be interesting to see if Justice, Justice Winslow obviously is another player who can't stay healthy. Yeah, if he can, and, and but if, if, we'll see but when if he he's can. ready this year. Right, but if they he say can he will be healthy, at some point, if he can be healthy. I think it's too soon to write him off, is what I'm saying. And Jay oh, it's, Crowder, too soon listen, to, it's too soon to write him off, but they the the Heat managed to sell high on a guy who's been hurt all year. Yeah, no, it was. They look the Heat. I'm not arguing with what the Heat did, but I'm just telling you that I, if it were me, Winslow is younger. Jay Crowder is a very nice player. That's what he is. Okay, he's a very nice player who's now played for how many different teams? Five, oh no, six, and, and Jay's going to last a dozen years in the league and will play for nine or ten teams. And I'm not saying, like, I can't believe they gave up Jay Crowder. I just don't understand why they had to take back bad money from the Heat and give up those vets. Like, Iguodala for Winslow and, you know, whatever filler to make it work financially would have been fine. I don't understand why all the other stuff. I don't either. But let's let's look at um, the other side of this um, discussion, which is whether teams have the highest stakes. If those teams are sort of on a free roll – um, to me, the team that comes right to the front of my mind is your your guys in Houston. I was going to um, say Houston and Philly are the two that if yeah. this if they don't make extended runs, things will look drastically different. And with the Rockets, it's obviously it's no secret if they don't get at least to the West Finals, there will be a new coach there. Maybe even if they get knocked out in the West Finals, and you know I don't know how much that ro- more that roster can get. Uh, Reconstructed, although, you know, I'm sure they could look at trading there at Gordon or, you know, whatever. But obviously, Russ and Harden, they're, you know, they're kind of stuck with that. Although I thought they were stuck with CP3 <laughs> last summer. Um, but, and then Philly, I mean, we've talked about it over and over again. If they don't make a deep run, I, I'm 
pretty sure either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid's playing somewhere else next season. Can and I just James, say something real quick it? about the Rockets? Can I just say something real quick about yep. it? Two years ago, they won 65 games, even though they still could have probably won, but they didn't win. Yep. Lost to the champs. Okay, bad luck. Last year, they won 53 games. Um, they retrofitted their team sort of midway through the year. It was a nice job by the front office. Uh, and any bad luck that they had from the year before was kind of erased because Durant goes down in the middle of the series. It's 2-2, and they have a winnable game uh, in, in Golden State where they could have gone up 3-2 and gone to close out at home. Instead, they lose both games. So in my mind, the karma yep. thing has been erased. But they definitely uh, had opportunities each of the last two seasons. Now – they're on pace for around 50 wins. They're not, you know, they've done another little facelift here where they've added a couple of guys. Um, they did the Capella trade and they're going to this small ball. So maybe they'll mm-hmm. accelerate and actually pass last year's win total. We'll see. Um, but in my mind, they are getting worse by the year and they have let two opportunities swing past. Um, and as I've been, the on window's the getting about, smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, uh, how could anybody, I mean, if you're their fan base, if you're James Harden, you know, how can you be happy with the way this has gone? Well, if you're James Harden, you're, yeah, obviously you're not happy that you haven't got it done yet, but you've gotten what you wanted. You wanted to get Russ, you got him, and, and now it's, you know, it's as much on James Harden to make this work as anybody else. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to play the violin the music for, for Harden. But that's the whole problem. There's always too much on James Harden plate to make this work. It can't be done. We already know that. Now, it's too much to ask for one guy. Wh- it just is. Wh- he, why? He's got a he's got a, a co-star right now over the last couple months is averaging like 38 and 7 or something like that. Right. He has a co-star. He has a co-star. But it always ends up at J- in James Harden's lap and if I'm the Rockets, that's the wrong guy to put all that pressure on. Well, what think about what just hold on, you think I'm, about what what do you think about Chris, what Giannis said? Again, oh about boy, the Giannis! Is, I tell you what, boy, Giannis is just. Well, first he said during the the All Star draft, I want somebody who passes the ball. Then he goes talking about, yeah, we we're just targeting James Harden. And look, hey, see, we, just I can, to, just to I be can clear throw, for listeners, after the game, the All Star game, he said that their strategy for his team, who lost, yeah, uh, the strategy was we just went at whoever Harden was guarding. Yeah, I can get nerdy and, and throw out numbers to tell you, hey, targeting James Harden in the post is terrible strategy. Uh, or, you know, James Harden's one of the best passers in the way, whatever. The point is, Giannis clearly heard all the crying from Houston about James Harden got robbed by, you know, by MVP voters. And it's personal for him now. And it's going to be fascinating when the Rockets go to, uh, Milwaukee late March. Um, because the Bucks have completely owned the Rockets the last couple of years and given Harden more problems than anybody. And I also think maybe part of it is that, Harden refuses. He, you will never, ever, ever hear Harden give the defense any credit, and he refuses to acknowledge that the Bucks' defense has anything to do with his bad numbers against Milwaukee. But yeah, it's it's clearly gotten personal between. Or I know that Zion's only had one bad side. game. Zion's only had one bad game so far. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Milwaukee's the best defense <laughs> in the league by like almost four points per hundred possessions. Guys. It's Their numbers it's are close. crazy. Their numbers are crazy. They've got better numbers than almost any team that's ever played in the in the NBA. I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying about the, the Rockets, and I agree. But I'm sorry, that team in Los Angeles, the Clippers, well, they I was have say never both won a league or a conference title, right? But especially the Clippers, because they've never been to in their entire history, never been to a Western Conference Finals. They have a, a guy, Kawhi Leonard, so who clearly has his own mind about how his career is going to go, similar to LeBron James, I would say, in this regard. If he's, When he decides he's ready to move on, he's going to move on. And I just, if I think there's, I mean, it's got to be championship or bust for the Clippers. How can it be anything else? I, I mean, it's they, not bust. Think about I mean, their, they're, they're guys completely are under, set. Their guys are under contract. I mean, I don't think it's bust. Uh, for for one more year. They have a two-year window. And if they don't capitalize, that yeah, would, I don't but I would argue that in 2020, I would argue in 2020, any team's window is two years maximum. The Bucks have a two-year window. You know, yeah, that's I mean, true. That's, uh, that's I, 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 I just to I, me, I, the I, Los that's, Angeles that's, Clippers mortgaged 
They mortgaged so much of their future, Brian. They gave up so much to make this work. Their mortgage is less than the Lakers. I was going to say, I was going to say, that's why I say both LA teams, because the Lakers are in that same situation where they've got this very defined window. You know, they've got LeBron. You know, I assume AD is going to be back there next year, but nothing's ever guaranteed till till the ink is dry. But then, just like the Clippers, they threw all their picks on the table. And so, right. you know, both those teams are, are an absolute win now. And, I, I will say you know, this. what you have to pay later will be worth it situation. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on Doc Rivers right now because that locker room was already complicated. Although, when Kawhi wants to play, and by the way, he decided he wanted to play in the All-Star game because he wanted that trophy. We're not assuming this. These are the words he said. I wanted that trophy for my trophy room. Guess what? He got it. Okay. When he wants to play, he's still, I think, at the tippity top. And he'll want to play, I assume, in the playoffs. But that was already a complicated locker room with the way he's going about everything, with the way Paul George has been in and out. By the way, he suffered an injury right before the, uh, the break. We'll see yeah, how long he may say. be out for. He he's going to be out. He's gonna There's be a whole out. bunch of injuries that happen right at the Same end. Same injury. Haven't. Pat Beverly's still hurt. Beverly's hurt. Uh, Carl right, Towns got re- hurt. Not that they're going to. But he re-injured anything, but. Paul. Paul George re-injured the, re-injured the same injury. That's never right. good. And when it's so, I would say is ever. they bring in Marcus Morris, right. and now they bring in Reggie Jackson, both of whom have known to be challenging teammates in the past uh, for different reasons. Um, not that I expect the backup point guard to be an issue. I'm just saying, though, that they're bringing well, challenging Well, he was an guy. issue because he was the backup point guard in Oklahoma City. You know, obviously, he chose to go to the Clippers, but still. Right. I'm just – it's a lot of pressure on – I mean, and by the way, it's it's probably the best staff in the league because you have Doc Rivers, probably a Hall of Fame coach. You have uh, Rex Kalamanian, who is one of the best assistants in the league. He should be a head coach at some point. And you have Ty, Ty Lue. you got Ty Lue. Who is maybe the most respected assistant coach in the league, um, and uh, will have probably his choice of jobs in the off season, and then Sam Cassell, who is uh, you know a, a real a leader. They have a very very strong coaching staff. By the way, partially it's because the team has prioritized that and has spent to pay for those guys. Um, but boy, is it a lot of pressure on them to keep these guys together. It's already been tough this year. Doc's had to do a lot of work, and so I think it's going to be even tougher uh, coming in. Uh, yeah, but, you're you know, making my point for me. Thank you. Once Kawhi starts playing in the playoffs, uh, my speculation, and we have to go, uh, but my speculation is that um, everything's going to feel a lot better in the Clipper. In the Clipper. I'm just like last year in Toronto when there were guys in that locker room who were um, looking sideways at Kawhi during the year. They forgot all about it when he was throwing in game winners and, and carrying them all the way through. So, The only thing I'm going to say about that is I do think Paul George is going to be out for a bit here. And the one thing that when I was just in L.A. a couple weeks ago, Doc said to me, I want to get Paul, this is before he got hurt, Paul and Kawhi as many minutes as possible as I can over the next couple of months here. And now there's been a wrench thrown in that yet again. All right, well, we'll be talking more about that as we go along. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later.